0: Okay, welcome everyone to the Phenomenosophy Discussions. Tonight we are discussing a war on morality. Uh, We will discuss how the rhetoric of institutions like academia, media, etc. has been weaponized to dismantle morality, how culture is being undermined by immorality and the destructive effects on society, and how we can counter this immorality movement with our intention Attention in the embodiment of principles. So I'm going to start off. I'm going to be going through lists of various ver- mora- uh, moral virtues and their, I-, I guess, what I would call their their counterpoints. Their uh, what, what do they call it? They uh, they don't call them. What is what's the opposite of a virtue? I a... I know there's a word for it. Can't think Jim. of it right now. A what? Vice. Uh, yeah, we'll call, we'll call it a vice. Yeah, we'll call it a vice. Um, I feel like there's another word for it, but vice is good. Um, so, yeah, so, so we'll show, we're going to go through each virtue and show how in our culture and society, um, the opposite of each of these virtues is actually being pushed and focused on. And that has the effect of D. De- moralizing people and dehumanizing people as well. So we're going to see how, not only how it's being done, but how we can counter it. Okay, so I wanted to start off with uh, gratitude and grievance. Now, this one's an easy one because I'm sure you all can spot grievance in society now, right? This is how, what, why they're able to and, be, and so successful with pushing critical theories, right? Um, it's based in grievance, right? Um, and one of, to me, one of the most ridiculous concepts uh, is historical grievance, which you know, is basically not something that necessarily happened to you, but it happened to maybe some past <laughs> ancient relative. And so now you're pissed because of something that happened to some ancient relative, um, but they're pushing it, right? They're pushing grievance. And it's not only the people who are adopting grievance as a, as a principle, right? They're actually living in that grievance, but it's also causing a, a counterbalance to that where you're also getting people who do not buy into these ide- ideologies, also attaching themselves to grievances as well, focused in, their mindset is in grievance. And my, yeah.
1: I'm um, Real quick, just, this was supportive for me to look at the definition of grievance, just to be clear. Um, it's a real or imagined wrong or another cause for complaint or protest, especially an unfair treatment. So this isn't something that even needs to be um, it, it didn't need to happen. It, it could be imagined, or it could just be right. anything that you take as a reason to complain.
0: Excellent. I didn't even know about the imagined part, <laughs> but I mean, it makes sense because it's perceptual, right? Exactly. I mean, if you're grieved, it's based on your perceptions or interpretations of something. So it's it definitely could be, most likely, is imagined, right? Yeah, um, like whether
1: or accurate. not the, whether or not their ancestors actually suffered makes no difference on your grievance. Right. It can still be great.
0: Right. Excellent. Excellent point. Thank you. So <clears throat> the, what I see as the counter to that is gratitude and something you see lacking in our culture, in our society right now is a sense of gratitude, and, you know, gratefulness. So this is, so you also see attacks on patriotism and nationalism and being proud of any kind of accomplishments, right? They're, they're tearing down every idea of accomplishment that would have someone feel gratitude for achieving that com- accomplishment. Um, so I, I feel like these go hand in hand. It's like I said, I'm using the word demoralized with, you know, with a distinction there of how it's usually used, which is I, I'm using it in the sense that you've been demoralized, meaning you, you're, you no longer have a mindset or embody a a moral virtue, rather you're embodying this vice, right? Is, is what we're going to call it, this, this, uh. This lack of morality. So this and, and in this sense, the grievance, which is again being pushed in one aspect of culture, and, and that and because of the polarization that creates, it's also creating the the opposite polarity to focus in on grievance. So you have half the population, and I don't and now I'm just conjecturing this, this isn't necessarily true numbers, but let's say half the population buying into critical theories and pushing these this grievance and embodying a sense of grievance right um, and it's and, and even the, the grievance isn't even necessarily foreign of themselves a lot of it is grievance projected on others right And then you have the other half you know the opposite polarity here, experiencing or embodying a grievance as well, in recognizing and seeing the injustice that is being pushed out of out of these out of these movements, out of these ideologies, right? So one half saying, you know, uh colonization or colonizers and white people are the source of all evil. And so we need to push this racism. And and then you have on the other side, people going, Oh, well, hold on. <laughs> I'm not a colonizer. I'm not a racist and you're attacking me as if I am right. You're labeling me and you're attacking me. And so they're in this sense of grievance too, because they're, they're caught up in this ideology that's demonizing them, dehumanizing them. And so it's working on, on both polarities, it's demoralizing people on both sides of the spectrum here, as opposed to just working on one side of it. So, so there's this, this sense of gratitude is being buried under this sense of grievance, this experience of grievance, this embodiment of grievance. So, And, and I'm not saying that people don't have you know, an experience of gratitude, Because I'm certain that there are people who, you know, maybe when they go home at night, you know, they get off work and they, you know, they love their family and they're, you know, in this loving experience with maybe the person they're partnered with or whatever, they may have, you know, this sense of gratitude. But the question is, when we're talking about the embodiment of of these moral virtues is how much time are you spending in gratitude versus how much time are you spending in that, in, in embodying grievance? Okay, so that's where anything anything on gratitude, grievance, Gingy, or Patricia, or Matt. I'm, I'm clear. sure there's other people here. Oh yeah, and there's Rachel, Rachel and too. Charles.
2: Dude, what when you say grievance and and you put critical race theory or any critical theories, what comes up for me is resentment. You're br- and, right and the polar of say gratitude, you know, is entitlement, which I think our culture is demonstrating both of those, you know, characteristics.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So let's throw that in there with that, that it's not just, you know, we're not going to say that it's just grievance, right. That is, that is being pushed or comes out of that. Um, but there is, like you said, that sense of entitlement as well, which I would say definitely belongs on the side of "quote unquote" vice, right? Um, and and there's yeah, they're there, all also, vices, Jan. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So the, it's definitely it's definitely manifest in many different ways, and we'll actually go over several more. But I didn't have I didn't have entitlement in my list, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's definitely that resentment, that entitlement. Is definitely a part of it, and a significant part of it. And again, this isn't a phenomenon exclusive to one group possessed by a certain ideology or another group possessed by some other ideology. This is something we're kind of seeing across the board. Is this embodiment of that resentment, of that entitlement, of that um, grievance as well? So, yeah. Uh, the and- next. Go ahead. Well. I'm sorry, I, I don't want to hold up,
2: but just to speak into that for a second, I would say that I'm noticing that myself. I work in an organization that is somewhat left-leaning, you could say, or or somewhat progressive, and they're all over the place. So in Texas, they have to modify their operations because they have to fit the culture, they say, because we're a little more conservative and we ain't about that shit, yo. <laughs> like don't mess don't mess with how we do things here so i find that interesting that this dynamic plays out that even in this liberal culture
0: well yeah never mind i'll let you continue yeah keep going yeah yeah because i i think it's it's really you're gonna you're gonna see all these kind of tie in together for sure um so the next one i want to address is fear um and the the virtue that balances on fear is courage, right? So if you're embodying fear, you're not embodying that moral virtue of courage, right? And this is probably the one that is doing the most damage in our culture, in our society now, because of the fear porn that is just being constantly pumped out um, to the masses, you know, whether it be from you know the pandemic or anything else that like that one definitely has messed people up um in fact i'm certain that it's caused uh, a level of psychosis in a large percentage of the population so it's it but it's this focusing in on fear and again this is across the spectrum so you may have let's say the people who buy into the fear porn right and for, let's say from the standpoint of the pandemic, right? They buy in hundred percent that they're, they're in it. They're afraid. They believe they're going to die. They believe they're going to kill their grandma. If they, you know, don't wear a mask or don't get vaccinated or something like that. So they, they really live in this fear. And yet if you look over at the the side of the spectrum where people aren't necessarily buying into that fear point, they are like, ah, no, nah, that's all a bunch of bullshit. I ain't buying it. But those people are living in the, of the fear of like what's coming because of these various political ideologies you know pushing towards Marxism, pushing towards you know making our children racist and sexualizing children and so they're and 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 the I mean to the point where people are like oh well this is this is the end of the world, this is the end of civilization, get your bug out bag, you know get your uh your uh, food supplies, like they're looking at it as like shit's going to all come crashing down. So they're living in a fear as well on the other side of the spectrum of everything just falling apart. So again, this is fear is being broadcast across the spectrum and people are embodying fear. Again, I'm not saying hundred percent of the time, you know, people, we see people, you know, who who stand up and, and make themselves heard or make themselves seen. And, and you may experience it in your life where you are courageous and you're not embodying fear. But again, the question is, how much of your day, how much of your time are you embodying fear versus how much of your day, how much of your time are you embodying courageousness as opposed to fear? So this is, <clears throat> this is something that I think is, Definitely relevant to the current situations, to the propaganda being spread, to the narratives that are being, uh, that people are uh, latching on to, and, and again, not on one side of the spectrum or the other. The nature of these narratives is that they're pushing everyone into this fear. Now, the reasoning for the fear may not be the same across the spectrum. It's different people fearing different things, but everyone's sitting in this fear, this place of fear, embodying that fear more often than embodying courageousness. And then uh, next I'd like to, let's see the next virtue I want to talk about. And again, I feel this one's pretty significant as well. And again, it's obvious when you look at, what's happening in our society and our culture, what's coming through the media, through education. And it's the, it's responsibility versus victim. Um, And I could, you know, pair up responsibility with accountability, but you were pushing a victim culture, right? Um, And this is especially coming out of far left ideologies from critical theories. Um, You have this victimization of people and, when you are the victim you are not accountable when you are the victim you are not responsible so this again if that the moral virtue of responsibility or accountability is is overshadowed by the embodiment or experience of being a victim right hey brandon and yeah yeah could you
1: uh, could you speak into that a little bit what victim means because i know a lot of people or it's easy to lump it into like something happened to you. You're the victim of the situation rather than I think what you're referring to is more of a mind sight, mind, yeah. mindset and a way of being.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you can actually also be a, let's say a, a victim of a a circumstance, condition, a a physical event, like you could have been raped, you could have been molested, you could have been robbed, you could have been beaten, and you could consider yourself a victim, right? And I would say the, the significant distinction to make here is do you live in that space of being a victim, of that mindset of I am a victim, because if you live in that space, which is what they're pushing on people, they're, they're saying, oh, because of your race, because of your sexual preferences, because of your gender, you are a victim, okay? And many people are buying into that. I'm a victim, you know? I mean, I find it almost hilariously funny when you see these white women who are very successful at what they do. They make a lot of money, they're, you know, they're upwardly mobile in their chosen fields and they've and they've got many accomplishments behind them and they stand there and claim to be victims of the patriarchy. Right. <clears throat> so they've bought into a mindset of I am a victim. And so when you're if you buy into that mindset and you embody victimness and you and and I think this may be one of those ones that's probably those who have taken on this mindset probably embody this all the time or most of the time because it's for one it's <laughs> it takes you away from responsibility and accountability which is a lot more comfortable right responsibility and accountability is not even though we see it as a moral virtue, it's not a comfortable place. Even though it's a place of true power, you have power in your life when you're accountable and responsible, but it's not a comfortable place to be because then everything you have, everything you experience, everything you create, everything that's all or including, you know, not just, Uh, in the physical realm, but in relationships and everything else, that's all a manifestation uh, or that you are responsible for that. You are accountable for that, whether it's good or bad, right? Whether it's positive or negative. So when you don't have a job and you're not making money and you lose your house and all of that, If you're in that space of accountable, responsible, there's no one to point the finger at. So you, you have to look within and recognize that this is, you know, I have the power to change this and I am responsible for this and I am accountable for, to this. And that's not comfortable where it's a lot more comfortable to just say, well, it's because of, you know, the cisgender white patriarchy, (laughs) just point the finger, you know, it's the white guys, it's all their fault. Well, I'd I'm say it's su-
1: probably the the most comfortable place to be is to blame everybody else for your shortcomings and to take credit yeah, for all your exactly. success. That's yeah. the most comfortable place to be, and if you can walk around all the time and say, "Well, I did all this for myself because of X, Y, Z, or in spite of X, Y, and Z," but right. I didn't succeed over here also because of those things. It's it's like the the picking and choosing of when to be accountable or not, and. And that's where i see everybody getting getting trapped in you know like uh, right. even some of the entrepreneurs the you know the heavyweight entrepreneurial types they're always like if you're going to blame someone for your failures you should also blame them for your successes and that is quite the mind fuck for some people to get their <laughs> head around like <laughs> you mean i should be blaming everybody or blaming nobody
0: <laughs> right <laughs> like, stick right. to one side of the fence i mean because c- c- could you imagine you know, one of these extremely successful white women who are, you know, victims of the patriarchy turning around and saying, well, I'm a CEO and I make an, ex- an extraordinarily high amount of money and I've got all these achievements and I've won all these awards because of white men. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that would be comical, but you would never of the see system that because that they set up. Right. Yeah, hey, I've Brandon. gotten all my accolades. Yes.
3: Is there what is there a distinction between accountable and responsible? Because I hear you saying responsible and Gingy is saying accountable.
0: Yes, there is a distinction. Um, I would say, okay, now how am I going to make this distinction here? Let me let me think about this for a second. Okay, so I'll start with accountability. So accountability is taking into account my outcomes, taking into account my results. I I am accountable to them, or I am accountable for them. Um, and, that, and and those outcomes and results again are not just measured in, you know, let's say material gains, but this is also measured in, you know, uh, outcomes and, and, and results in relationship. I see responsibility as kind of like a higher order of accountability in that not only are you looking at, you know these measurable well sometimes measurable i'll say outcomes and results in in the in your immediate purview but responsibility is also taking into account things outside of your let's say your personal results and outcomes like responsibility to your community responsibility to your family so responsibility is also something that gets focused outward on so if you say like being uh, you know um, having responsibility in your family is like having a responsibility to the well-being of your family having a responsibility to your community is recognizing when there are things threatening the well-being of people within your community and stepping up in being responsible you know able to respond to those threats to your community or your culture or your society so I see it as is a higher order. Whereas accountability is like directly related to your personal outcomes and results. Responsibility is kind of at another level where it can be focused out on family, you know, uh, friendships, community, you know, your society at large, the world itself. Like I look at responsibility as also kind of encompasses our stewardship of the world. So like As human beings, the only beings on this planet with a high, with this high level of consciousness of self-awareness and the capacity to rein in our instincts, right? We're the only, only species on the planet, excuse me, that has that capacity. And so there's with that, that power, you know, comes this responsibility of stewardship for the planet itself. You know, it's kind of up to us. Because no other animal has that awareness or consciousness to objectify the world itself and take into consideration how our, how our actions affect it and how our actions can improve it. So responsibility I see as, a, a, as kind of a higher level kind of thing. Does that answer it, I think? Is that a clear distinction?
3: Yes, sir. Thank you.
1: Okay. That's interesting because I've always um, used those two words from well i guess the the statement of i'm accountable to or i'm responsible for has given right. me some type of distinction where accountability is is um almost like a condition like i'm accountable for these things and a responsibility is more of like if i'm accountable then i take responsibility for um whatever I'm, I'm jumbling up the words now, but you know, accountable, <laughs> to, responsible for kind of
0: cha- shapes the way that I use it in language at least. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely the, the, uh, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, prepositions that seem more fitting for each of those, you know, the, the responsibility for versus accountability to, you know, um, that, that, that kind of makes that in a simple way, the, the distinctions that I kind of spoke into. And like, again, you could still be accountable to family members, right. Um, especially in what we, you know, we have these, uh, t- you know, these social contracts, these familial contracts, unwritten, of course, um, but an understanding of what's right or wrong within our family, what's right or wrong within our, community and so those are you, you're accountable in some sense to those as well um, whereas again I see kind of responsibility kind of a level above that you know where it's not necessarily uh, an expectation I'll say even though the the social contract because it's mostly unwritten for the most part um, isn't necessarily expectation but it is, it is part of a shared world view that would, that you have within a family, that you have within a community. Would you would you say it's fair to
2: to use the word obligation? Accountability is is something that you're obligated to. So I'm obligated to my family. I'm obligated to show up to work on time. So therefore, I'm accountable if I right. if I fail in my obligations. Whereas I, responsibility is something that I could assume outside of a direct obligation i could go above and beyond and
0: take responsibility for for a situation i I would say it's definitely part of accountability that obligations are definitely a part of of accountability however um like i'm also looking at it as your personal outcomes and results which there may have not been an underlying obligation there um but you're still accountable you know uh, because there may not be an obligation involved, I would say that's definitely in a significant part of accountability, um, but not it's not exclusive to, Meaning, there's more to accountability that there are things that you become accountable for because, and there may not be an underlying obligation there. Does that make sense? Or that's how I see it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's got me
2: curious. I'm 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 searching for an example, but I know that those in in the hypotheticals, it's not easy to, to come up with one right offhand. Right. Let me
0: see if I can Here's, if I can. The definition of
1: responsibility. You want, you want to go first, Brandon?
0: Go ahead.
1: Uh, the definition of responsibility is the state or fact of having a duty to deal with something or having control over. It says someone, but I don't think it's necessarily someone or something. The state of fact of being accountable or to blame for something.
0: (laughs) Yeah. See, I (laughs) take a much more, I take a much more elevated, I make a much more elevated distinction of responsibility than the dictionary does. That's for sure. I think
1: you might like this third one. It's the opportunity or ability to act independently and make decisions without authorization. Right. Yeah. Whereas accountable is, let's see, accountability, the factor condition of being accountable. <laughs> so I looked up what accountable meant. <laughs> it I says, love when they uh, use the
0: word in the definition.
1: I thought that was against the rules. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> to be speeding, to be caught in the act of speeding. <laughs> anyway, um, accountable. Of a person, organization, or institution required or expected to justify actions or decisions or explicable, understandable, which, hold on, that doesn't make any fucking sense. The quality or state of being accountable, especially an obligation or willingness to accept responsibility or to account for one's actions um, publicly. Yeah, something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that fits a little bit more with my distinction of accountability for sure.
1: Yeah,
2: you have to come to account, right? Yes, you have exactly. to answer for
0: what you yes. said you were going to do. Right, exactly.
1: Responsible is like I did the thing.
0: You know, you know the thing.
2: Or responsible <laughs> is like I didn't have to do the thing, but I I decided to do it anyway because I didn't like you know dog shit everywhere, so I decided to pick it up. I took responsibility for. I dog wasn't shit, accountable. Can't my neighbor, right? I wasn't <laughs> accountable, I wasn't accountable for it because I don't have a dog.
1: Right. I took
2: responsibility for it because I want a clean
0: community. Right. Exactly. Yeah. In-go. And now, and now you can hold your neighbor with a dog accountable. <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> Brendan, is there a distinction between being responsible and taking responsibility?
0: Um, well, let's say that being responsible is like the embodiment, right? So that's a, that's the ontological side of responsibility. So, um, it, ra- whereas taking responsibility is more like the dictionary definition of responsibility where, um, it's almost, it, it, it it's close to that accountability, uh, definition where it's like holding yourself accountable so you can so taking responsibility um or you can see it as the the ontic aspect of responsibility in action right so you could kind of you could kind of make them like related in that being responsible is a mindset of uh, uh, and willingness to to be responsible for community, family, the world, and everything else. And the, the manifestation of that is in quote-unquote taking responsibility And that it's, the, it's when you actually act it out in, in, in some way, like Matt picking up the dog shit. So it's, that's kind of the I'm – I'm taking responsibility for the cleanliness in my neighborhood, but that comes from being responsible right the embodiment of responsibility thank you
3: by the way I had a neighbor who was walking his dog dog shit on my front lawn and he (laughs) oh what a dick I walked around to his house he was like a block away I walked to his house and I knocked on his door and I'm like you need to come pick up the shit because <laughs> I'm like I don't have a dog so because I don't want to pick it up I'm not going to pick up your dog shit so he did he totally got it back in his car and came around
0: I, I could see I could see depending on my relationship with the neighbor I like if it was someone I really did like and you know there's the, an animosity there with that neighbor I could see me grabbing a shovel picking it up walking over to his house and flinging it at his front door
1: <laughs> yeah I would have left it on his doorstep
0: <laughs> right on his welcome mat put it in a sack <laughs> and set the sack on fire <laughs> there you go so and, then it to <laughs> <do it. laughs> and then knock on his door so you know you don't burn his house down yeah you forgot the worst you forgot the best part knock on the
4: ring the doorbell and take off then he stops <laughs> you gotta you know you set it on a fire that's not doing anybody any favors <laughs>
0: Yeah, but but here's the thing I yeah, my, you're right my, par- my parents <laughs> taught me that that uh, uh, like, what do you call that uh, not a joke but a prank, prank? right my parents, yeah my parents taught me that prank So this is a prank that goes back to the at least the 40s and 50s Brandon. maybe much <laughs> from back it might go back Brandon. to the Roman Empire ancient Egypt Well
4: as soon as pla- uh, paper bags are invented, but did they teach you that? <laughs> right. Did they teach you that trick? Like practically, did they? Did they? Sit, <laughs> did they oh yeah. The oh, they did
0: home? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they did it. <laughs> nice. They explained how they explained the dynamics of the prank itself. Um, Make so, sure they're it, home it, it,
4: first. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And you set yeah. the bag of shit up there, paper sack, of course.
4: Light right. it on fire so they stomp
1: it out. Plastic,
4: yeah. plastic, plastic wouldn't work, and and unless the the. Poop's been sitting for a while. It's not very flammable, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and and also you want it to be fresh poop because yes. then it's all squishy and, you know, because the hard, dry stuff that's been out for a few days, that's no fun.
4: Yeah. Yeah, and there's plausible. Well, it liquefies difference.
0: when you set it on fire,
2: to be fair. Does it? Are you Does certain?
4: <laughs> well, <laughs>
2: no, I just made that up. The season,
4: bro. <laughs> Matt, you're going to have to film that and put it in the... I mean, that's the only thing you can do now is film it and put it in the, in the chat. we got we got to see it.
0: <laughs> we this, can put it, we can can put put content, it in there with, right? the, with, the, with the burning snowball video. Right.
4: right.
2: <laughs> if I wasn't afraid of, like, getting the wrong house or, you know, ending up on Twitter or, I don't know, some sort of dire consequences... Like, that would still be funny, but that prank could go wrong in a million ways, I could
0: see. It can, because fire's involved. Fire's one of those things.
2: Right. Now right. I'm an arson. Like, I <laughs> can't do that.
4: I got, <laughs> yeah, I
0: got a family. Now, you're, yeah. you're, thinking, you're thinking of the criminal charges now. That's funny. Yeah, like, I mean, li- can... life, life was much simpler in in the days of my parents, for sure. Right,
4: Right. Well, I mean, people are still like – you've seen the videos of people electrifying political – signs in their yard right people come try to pick the signs up and somebody's run a few bajillion volts through it and somebody tries to come pick it up or um <laughs> vandalize
0: their yard and they pick it up a and they, few up it baj- a few off bajillion volts i'd like like what are they plugging that thing into <laughs> no i know <laughs> dude i have seen those
4: videos and the first
2: so question now. that comes to my mind is liability i'm like oh i wonder how long
4: <laughs> trespassing and they're take
2: for somebody to get sued, and they're gonna think prank is not so funny anymore <laughs>
4: <laughs> It's plausible I didn't know there was an underground wire there I just put the put the metal prongs of the sign in the ground it just you know went live I you didn't have to step on my lawn not that I would put up a sign in my lawn it's just really
0: really funny all right so so I'm gonna bring it back to morality. Awesome. <laughs> That, now we've that we've dropped got
1: the all the form, morals now
0: now yeah now that we've outed ourselves as completely immoral people
1: actually go to ahead. really bring that full circle there is a dude that pranks people that steals amazon packages and in one way that he does it he <laughs> he gets a package and it's you know says like brand new cell phone some manufacturer on the box and when the thief takes it and gets it home as soon as they open the box it starts sounding off air horns and sh- throwing glitter all over them and <laughs> letting off these these, <laughs> these these like uh, fart machines so the whole house starts smelling like fart <laughs> nice. and they like, end up throwing it out the window and he's got a tracking device in it so then he just goes and picks it up and repackages it for the next one <laughs> So that guy is actually warring against immorality.
0: Well, here's the thing. I've seen people do that with, like,
2: bikes, people that steal bikes, and they're, like, electrified as soon as they get on the bike. Like, dude, if you're trying to steal stuff and you're, like, I don't know, I feel like that might be different.
0: might be different in a court of law. That's all I'm saying. Right, right. (laughs) I would say, uh, well, for me, in the hierarchy of moral virtues, I hold at one of the highest points in the hierarchy. I'm not, uh, not necessarily at the top, but, uh, what I can, what I call transcendence, which includes humor, right? So I don't know, there may be a balance there. Remember we talked last week about, uh, about, uh, uh, moral, uh, what do you call it? Uh, not moral problems, but, um, moral dilemmas, right? So moral dilemmas are when, you know, humor you know, if you hold that at a, in a high place, you know, is burning dog shit wrong, (laughs) like like humor is a pretty valuable virtue in my, in my hierarchy of, of, of moral virtues. So I don't know. I might, I might be able to justify uh, the, the glitter exploding out of a box or, uh, or even uh, uh, dog shit on the front porch. Because there's a humor element there, and that's virtuous.
1: <laughs> I'll see if Okay, you moving on. YouTube Videos. What's that? I'll see if I can find the YouTube videos because it's there's, there's something feel good about it. I don't know what it is.
0: <laughs> there's Something feel good about it. Awesome, awesome. Well, it's humor. I'm telling you, humor is important. Which again, uh, looking at society, they're they're absolutely trying to destroy humor, <laughs> like. This new generation of comedians are for the most part absolutely horrible and nothing funny comes out of their mouths. So again, destroying the virtue of humor. And it's really it's become humor is now a form of virtue signaling where the comedian spits out a bunch of garbage, virtue signaling, and then people virtue signal by laughing. <laughs> it's like this is this is all fake. <laughs> This isn't really funny, and you know it.
2: (laughs) That's the new Daily Show after they got rid of Jon Stewart. Right? It's just this woke nonsense. It's not funny. I
1: hate it. And
2: People are laughing at shit that's not funny.
1: (laughs) I'm so disappointed in the Daily Show.
0: Yeah. Humor is dying. It's dying. Thank God we still have Bill Burr's and stuff out there. I don't know for how much longer though. They're, Bill they're... Burr <laughs> is killing it, dude. Yeah, Bill sure Burr
2: that... is killing it.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that there is a concerted effort to cancel him in all his forms. Yeah,
4: um, yeah, but he was on the Mandalorian, so he's kind of
0: got a pass with a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, well, SGWs.
4: so was so was Gina Carano. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that. I
0: mean, come on, man. <laughs> uh, she does not need to be canceled ever. No. All right, next up on the list, forgiveness versus blame. So again, you're seeing this push within within society, through the media, through even through academia, and I mean at all levels. This isn't only in the universities anymore. This is happening at the elementary school level where now we're fixated on blame. And if you're fixated on blame and you embody that that vice, right, then you're not embodying forgiveness. And you even see it in cancel culture where they, you know, somebody does something that's probably not even a bad thing. You know, most of the time, like, I I don't know if you guys saw the, uh, the Kimmy Schmidt, right. Isn't that the name of that show, you know, being outed as a racist because she was like debutante of a ball and like just ridiculousness, right? Pure ridiculousness. Um, the guy who got canceled off his own show, one of those stupid reality shows, I want to say it was Bachelorette or The Bachelor or something, um, for basically Roseanne, saying- Roseanne got killed yeah. off
4: her own show and it was called Roseanne. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. so, you, you, <laughs> so but here's the thing, here's, here's the distinction here, right? That, uh, I don't know if Roseanne did, I'm pretty sure she didn't. <laughs> but a lot of these people who get the crosshairs on them and get fired upon by the woke, they immediately turn into bumbling idiots and start apologizing. Right. And what you will never see is forgiveness coming out of this woke religion out of this cancel culture. Right. There is no forgiveness. There is no forgiveness. And that's you know I just
1: heard about the 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 dude from The Bachelor or Bachelorette or whatever his name is Chris something I think right yeah and I heard everybody making a big storm about it and I was like you know what I don't want to take anyone's word for it I want to go watch what the dude said himself right and all he was saying through the entire interview that he got blacklisted for was hold on guys you can't just judge her because you know she was a 9 18 19 year old kid going to a party in college you know she wasn't there making statements she wasn't there being you know it was it was some like i forget the party that she had gone to it was it was, but it, uh,
0: it was a it was a uh antebellum so before yeah. the civil war party yeah
1: Right. So everybody was dressed up as slave owners <laughs> is the is the well, message that came yeah, across. That's
0: not, yeah, that's the interpretation of it. You could just say, yeah. well, these are people dressed up like people did in the 19th century, right?
1: <laughs> well, the way that I looked at it, I was like, that makes just as much sense as like the girl who dressed up as Pocahontas or me in sixth grade dressing up like a rapper. Like there was no, it was just, it was fun to dress up. But all this dude was doing was standing up for her being like, maybe we should hear what she has to say about it before we jump to conclusions and try to like cancel her. She survived. He did not.
0: Right. And, and, and not only that, but he came out and apologized because he, he didn't get, he didn't leave the show right away or he didn't get kicked off the show right away. Right after that interview, he came out on his knees, you know, apologizing profusely for nothing you know, I did see that, didn't yeah. didn't say do do anything wrong. And like I said, there was absolutely no forgiveness there, right? And so that's something we definitely have to be mindful of, especially because of this, like just this intense polarization and in, in ideological possession that we're seeing across the board is being mindful of our own forgiveness of people who hold, you know, ideas we don't agree with, right? And even dangerous ideas or, uh, you know, uh, really immoral ideas. You know, people are really pushing racism and things like that. We have to recognize that if it ever happens, that we are forgiving of these people, whether or not they relinquish that ideology, right? Whether or not they ever come back, like, when we recognize that we hold resentment towards someone because of their ideas, because of their beliefs, like we can, in that moment, go into a place of forgiveness, right? Because it is, again, it's much more powerful for us and it's, it's, it's needed for our culture to heal, for our society to move forward in a In a productive and effective and way that where we can create a world where we start thriving as opposed to you know barely surviving and at each other's throats we need to embody that forgiveness all the time (laughs) and and by and i and i'm a firm believer that when we start to embody these moral virtues that we're talking about that it has an effect on the people around us whether or not they you share ideologies with these people or not it has an effect, right? So rather than holding resentment for someone because of their beliefs or because of what they say, we, we, we may feel it in that moment, recognize it and maybe, you know, forgive, you know, like, like recognize that they aren't necessarily bad people. You know, they, in fact, most of these people who are, are possessed by ideologies, and again, I'm not just talking about the far-left ideologies because there are many people on the, on the right who are possessed by ideology as well that has them also embodying many of these vices, right? As opposed to embodying any kind of moral virtue. And, and I think we need to you know, make, be that example in life to start embodying these moral virtues so that other people around us, for one, they're going to, people have at a, at a deep level, these moral virtues are like absolutes, right? And people want to be virtuous. People want to be moral. And when you be that way around them and offer them the opportunity to be that way as well, People want to be there and they want to be in that place for the most part. And so it's, it's, it's something that if we're mindful about it, you know, we can start to have an impact on people around us so that we can start to transform our culture to a place where we start embodying these moral virtues again, as opposed to being locked into embodying these vices that are being just pushed and hammered and reinforced. And, and like I said, and it's happening across the board, you know, I don't, I see it. I see it an extraordinary amount of grievance and fear and victimhood and blame and greed and animosity and hostility and, and, and all of that. I see it on both sides. I see it across the spectrum, you know, not to necessarily polarize things on, only two polarities there's definitely a spectrum there of where people's ideologies are and what ideologies they're possessed by but you're seeing it across the board that this that there is a a heavy possession and this embodiment of these vices that are that are manifesting and really kind of only have only it can only take us one place right and it's uh it's you know down the toilet bowl you know it's it's uh it leads to the destruction of culture and society. You know, if we no longer have that moral framework, if we no longer embody those virtues, then there's there's little. the the the, the eventual outcome is the is the is the destruction of the 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 pulling apart of our culture and our society. Okay, uh, moving on. Yeah, go ahead. Go
1: ahead. Um I didn't want to interrupt because you were on a good run there, but I looked up the the Chris Harrison apology. Uh It like after watching the actual video of what he's apologizing for, this this saddens me deeply to know that even after this they were they, they cut him as the the host or whatever and you know i don't i don't give two shits about the bachelor or bachelorette or whatever show he was doing <laughs> like <King>. good riddance i'm <laughs> sorry patricia <laughs> i uh, sorry not sorry really is more like it um but here let me just read this because it says i this is his words quote i am saddened and shocked at how insensitive i was in that interview with rachel Lindsay." And I didn't speak from my heart, meaning I did not speak from my heart. And that is to say, I stand against all forms of racism, Harrison said, quote, and I am deeply sorry. I am sorry to Rachel Lindsay, and I am sorry to the black community.
0: For right. what? Exactly. It's pathetic. And this is, and and this is a regular occurrence. Like, yeah, this is one example But this is a regular occurrence. You know, somebody does something of no consequence, gets attacked by the woke mob. They turn around and pathetically apologize for something they didn't do. And then there is no forgiveness. Right. They've been demonized. Yeah, it's demonization, dehumanization.
1: I don't know. There's not a lot of shit in this world that makes me sad, but this does.
0: (laughs) <laughs> right, it's pathetic, and like I said, and, and it happens, and it happens a lot. I am, I definitely, definitely appreciate those who stand up and don't apologize and don't you know, it, cave to the, re- the woke mob. You know, the I reason mean, why I feel I, like this.
1: Well, I was just gonna quick say that the reason why I feel like this is saddening, over like, and I'll say starving people in Ethiopia or something, is that this was a a complete sacrifice of authenticity, and personal, you know, yeah. belief and autonomy, for the sake of crowd pleasing,
0: yeah, and, well, and mob pleasing, <laughs> yeah, right. Because it is a mob. It is a mindless mob.
2: Oh, you guys saw the John Cena apology, right? Uh, oh, yeah. No.
1: Yeah. Okay, I can oh, Google yeah. that now.
0: Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Well, it's a mob it's apology. That's he, Mandarin. The key. he apologizes for recognizing Taiwan as a country. <laughs> Nobody, and he no learned guys. another
2: language right, to He do apologized it. in Mandarin. He
0: literally yeah, spoke yeah. Chinese. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's it's a joke. It's anyway, a you guys joke. are talking
2: about apologies yeah. to like mob a, mentality. Yeah. This is CPP mob apology right here. <laughs> yeah.
0: Never it's apologize pathetic. to the mob. Yeah. Pathetic excuse for a human being. Any is Taiwan them, not a country? For Cena. God. Taiwan is a country. Yes, it's a country, <laughs> but not if you ask China.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Why? I just looked it up and I'm like, "Fuck, man! I should apologize too. I've been calling Taiwan a country for since high school." And by the way, <laughs> Taiwan is
2: also one of the the biggest hubs for microchip like manufacturing. And if you guys aren't aware, there's a giant chip shortage that's disrupting supply chains everywhere. So Taiwan's like mm. battlegrounds for the next. Yeah. I mean, you could call it the it's a military. Like national security interests, to be quite yeah. frank, you know, if you can yeah. control the chip manufacturing of the entire world, well, if you control technology, you control everything.
0: Absolutely. All right. Next on my list, and this one goes without saying: um, greed versus generosity, and I mean, greed has just become in like just this embedded part of our culture in that people seek out and acquire for self more than give for others. Um, And so it's, and this actually, I think this also goes hand in hand with that entitlement, right, so I think that if if greed is at, is is at odds with generosity i see entitlement also at odds with generosity and so and we know that definitely especially within the younger generations coming up now that there's this you know sense of entitlement that is really a contradiction of generosity so you don't see much generosity however it is because it is one of those moral virtues that is embedded within us right these are these are absolutes these moral virtues live within us they're always there and it's just about connecting in with them like it's funny because a person just acting out their life they may live out of that sense of entitlement and that and that greed day to day but when given the opportunity to be generous many will step right into it Uh, It was interesting. I was on a call last night and somebody brought up a study that they had, that someone had done, um, around, uh, generosity. I don't know if that, that was the study was based on. That's what I saw when they told me about the results of the study, but they basically went to a college campus and they had a moving truck and a couch outside the moving truck. Right. And, they kept asking these college students like, hey, I'll give you 20 bucks, help me move this couch into the moving truck, right? And no one, <laughs> not one person accepted the offer of $20 to help move the couch, right? A couple days later, moving truck, couch outside of university and they offered no money. They just said, hey man, can you help me out moving this couch into the moving truck and almost every single person they asked wanted to help without the offer of any remuneration of any kind. So I thought that was very interesting.
1: I'm confused. Why?
0: Because people want to be virtuous. They want to be generous. Like the $20 like made it into an obligation for one. Right. Um, because it's, there's an exchange now occurring. So it makes it contractual. It makes it an obligation. Like, eh, not sure if I want to have that obligation of helping you move that couch. Like now there's expectations, right? You're giving me $20. There's I have an obligation. There's expectations. Like there's a lot more there. There's It's a much more complex transaction. I mean, it's transactional in that, hey, man, can you just help me out? That's not transactional. You have the freedom in that moment to say, yeah, no, nah, I don't have time or hey, my arm hurts or whatever. You can make up excuses. You don't have to. But again, that morality, those moral virtues are a part of who we are. They're always there. And given the opportunity, people were more than willing right, to be helpful, to be generous to give of themselves to give of their time does make right. any more sense yeah no it was, i thought it was awesome and that's again that's what i took from it was that because of the, i don't i don't i don't remember what they were trying to figure out with this study because they also did an experiment with like hershey's kisses like for free versus five cents each and when they had you know free hershey's kisses people would take like two or three, you know, two or three, two or three, two or three. But when you're selling them for five cents each, people were putting down $5 bills and taking big old handfuls of.
1: <laughs> so well, thing, when I, if I was in the situation of the couch and somebody walked up and said, Hey, can you help me? I'd be like, yeah, sure. No problem. And I would, I would jump right in and I'd help out unless I was you know, on the way to go do something. But if someone said, Hey, can I give you $20? to Help me with this couch the first thing that goes through my mind is, is my time worth $20? <laughs> right. Right.
0: I would most likely say, Hey man, I'll help you out. You ain't got to give me the 20,
1: you know, yeah, like that's, that's how where I, I would probably conclude. That's too.
0: how I would approach it. Yeah. because I don't want to take 20 bucks from you. And like, again, you see it like all the time, like somebody breaks down on the side of the road and you pull over and you, you know, you help them out. Um, I remember I, there were these guys trying to push a truck uh, I was in Albuquerque at the time and they were trying to push their truck it evidently wasn't running or something or, or I can't remember if they're trying to jump start it or something you know I parked it behind them and you know jumped out of the car and helped them out you know without any ex, there was no obligation there was no expectation it was just like oh you know I'm going to help these guys out and again I think it's because that that moral virtue is a part of who we are and it's always there so we want it to manifest you know um, in fact, we could say that that's the goodness that wants to move through us, right? And we spoke about that last week when we got into the nature of of morality itself and meaning. And we talked about the logos and how it manifests this morality through us. And that's, you know, and it is good. And it is the good that moves through us. Um, so I see it as as more of a, it is definitely a, human trait and a, in a, um, in a human tendency. But when we become focused in on and embody these opposites, then it, it's not as present and its, and it makes it more difficult for these things to manifest from us. Like, because people are so focused on blame, right? With the bachelor guy, they they, they, don't, they don't even see forgiveness as a possibility. It does not live within them. They're blocking forgiveness because they're so enraged by blame. They're so embodied by blame. They're so filled up with these negative aspects of morality or these immoralities or these vices, whatever you want to call them, um, that that's why forgiveness is doesn't even come out. <laughs> they don't see it. They don't recognize it. It's like, Oh, he said, sorry. Okay. Oh, good thing, Chris. Um, we forgive you. You know, it's all good. Go back to your stupid ass show. No, rather they they're like, no, cancel him anyways. <laughs>
1: like, now he knows
0: what he did. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Get him out of here. You know, as opposed to like actually forgiving they're, they, they, it's really, it's it's fodder you're feeding the beast you're feeding the mob with that with that ridiculous display you know of of apology um you you've given them more power you know and so because they're living in those vices right they're living in that negative embodiment that amorality or really immorality right they're demoralized right they're the moral virtues aren't present. They're not embodied. And because there's so much of that, those immoral vices within them, that they block themselves off from their own moral virtues, so to speak.
1: Let me ask this. What would have, I guess, what would affect the embodiment of the... Let's go back to gratitude, actually. That was a good example. I've I've had two friends i distinctly remember this moment we were sitting on our front porch i was living with both of them at the time in denver and there was a car driving down the street and it turned a corner and you could hear it wreck so it was probably about a half a block from where we were i had one friend that took off running towards the crash because according to him he just wanted to help out and then my other friend my other roommate took off running inside being like, the cops are going to show up or whatever his you know, mentality was. <laughs> now they're both really caring, you know, giving guys, but I'm that, curious what would have somebody run towards a crash to help versus someone to run away versus me sitting in between being like, uh, which way do I go? <laughs> I didn't know to run right. towards the crash and help out or to run away because of a sense of danger. Perhaps I don't know. So what, what might affect that type of dynamic to where someone is, you know, conditioned basically to always run towards and to give and and all of that and another person may not be?
0: Right. I would say it's definitely, you can look at it in probably many ways, but I would say one way you can look at it is that what what's driving you in that moment? Like your friend who ran inside, he may have been stoned out of his mind and like, had a bag of weed in his pocket. He's all, fuck, cops are coming. <laughs> I don't want to get caught in this shit. <laughs> oh, it was legal. Oh, so this is yep. not long ago. This <laughs> <No.
1: laughs> is like 2014 or something like that.
0: Right. So it's, but his drive is fear. So again, that's, remember what's the opposite of courageousness right. is that fear. So he doesn't have, he's not embodying that courageousness. He embodies fear and he may embody fear most of the time. Whereas your other friend, he may embody courageousness and generosity and more of these virtues more of the time than not, or in that moment at least. He was not being driven by a fear or or entitlement or greed or anything that would counteract his courage and generosity.
1: Yeah, so it may very well be that there... You know, what I was calling neutral or this resting place is one buddy may be resting in courage and confidence Mm -hmm. and safety. And the other one may be resting in fear and skittishness or something like that.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And actually, we could throw responsibility in there, too. For the friend who ran towards it, Yeah, you know, he's he's he he dwells in that responsibility. He embodies responsibility for people in his community. Right, so he sees it as like, oh, somebody's hurt in my community, and runs towards it because he has a sense of responsibility. You know, um, so I would definitely, in that moment, I would say that the, the friend that ran towards the accident was embodying more virtues, you know, more of those moral virtues than the friend who ran inside, and and you seem to have been torn <laughs> between the two, just confused. Minji <laughs> was <laughs> yeah. analyzing yeah uh, Yep. Yeah.
1: that's exactly. my go-to
0: okay. yeah why why did that guy run inside why is that guy running towards it what should i do
1: i don't even think did i you- thought about what to do i was just kind of like where's everybody going <laughs> <laughs> i thought we were hanging up
4: because uh, weed was legal
1: because yeah, <laughs> we was had legal. all been We'd all been smoking weed at that time. It was freshly <laughs> recreationally legal, and we were all sitting on the front stoop saluting cop cars as they drove by.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: those were the good old
0: days. The good old days. Yep. That's Alrighty. fascinating, though. Next, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Next on my list is kindness. Okay. And wow, we sure could use more kindness in the world. And again, especially for those you don't agree with or towards those that you don't agree with, especially towards those that hold what you consider to be poisonous ideologies or who act and speak in ways that you find repulsive um, or reprehensible, that being kind, right, towards others, Rather, what you're seeing is this general hostility and animosity for other. And this this goes heavily with this dehumanization, right? So you have a dehumanization, again, happening across the spectrum, right? For five years, right, they've been pumping out Nazi and communist and White supremacist and racist and bigots. So the yeah, fascists. They're pumping out these dehumanizing ideas. This is animosity. This is hostility towards other, right? And if you dwell and embody that animosity, that hostility, there's no room for kindness, right? Um, so it's it's automatic. Right, uh, like, like I, I think a great example is the politization of or politicize politi, politize. Oh my gosh, I always have a problem with that word. Yeah, well, yeah, that, but with the <laughs> I O N on it. Um, politization. So, yeah, there you go. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't know why I can't say it <laughs> There's something about that word. I'm, I always mess it up. Um, okay, so the politicizing politicization <laughs> of masks, right? So it, it became a virtue signal of one group possessed by one ideology and a fuck you from a group possessed by another ideology, meaning fuck you, I ain't wearing it. <laughs> so you can go fuck yourself. Um, and in that, there is this animosity and this hostility right like as soon as the cdc finally came out and said yeah masks are no longer necessary and then you have all these people i'm gonna keep wearing mine why because then they know who to hold animosity towards they know who to be hostile towards and then and then everything got reversed whereas the people who were wearing the mask would hold hostility and animosity towards those who didn't and now the people who Have you know, never wore the masks. (laughs) We're we're now holding animosity and hostility towards those wearing them, you know? And so there it's, this dehumanization has already run a pretty deep course within our culture, within our society. It's scary. It's really at the level like how many months are we away from genocide? (laughs) Like, Like this is paving that road. You know, we are paving the road to genocide by, by embodying these, these vices, you know, this, this hostility and animosity is how people are dehumanizing other people. Right. And again, regardless of what somebody says, what somebody thinks, like embodying that kindness, you know, which again, you can see how all of these kind of go hand in hand, right. Cause Kindness becomes much easier when there's forgiveness, right? And generosity, like kindness, you know, if you're embodying forgiveness and generosity, kindness just kind of flows out easily. You know, whereas if you're caught up in blame and entitlement and hostility, there's not much chance you'll ever see any kindness out of that. And again, not to say that you ever, you're living 100% of your day or time in, in either of these, but be mindful, pay attention to how much time do you spend with, a, with hostility or animosity towards others versus being kind towards others. Um, next, and this is an interesting one and probably not as obvious, but definitely present. And you're and you're actually seeing it in some of the uh, attacks on elements of our culture. And I'm and I'm the the opposing virtue and vice here are prudence versus impulsiveness or carelessness, right? Um, so you've now seen that uh, delayed gratification <laughs> is a sign of white supremacy. In case y'all didn't know, um, what? Explain that. I missed that one, dude. Okay, well, you got to go look up the white supremacy chart. Um, It basically explains that like timeliness is is white is white supremacy. So if you're on time, well, then you're a white supremacist. Um, If you're if you believe in math (laughs) or science, then you're a white supremacist. Um, If you, but the ability
1: uh, to delay gratification.
0: Yeah, no, that is part. Of I the thought white, that was just culture.
1: I thought that was just like a signifier. If you have this ability, then you're more likely to
0: whatever be successful. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> it's a it is a virtue. It's and I can I call that virtue prudence. I'd, I say well, I'll say it's part of the virtue I call prudence, which prudence is kind of like a, being able to uh, be rational, be logical. Uh, think about consequences. Think about you know, what's happening, what you need to do in this moment in order to have something in the future. Be mindful of how the present affects the future. So that's why delayed gratification kind of fits in there because you will sacrifice something in this moment because of something that you will need in the future. So for instance, you sacrifice your time for work, because you're going to need to pay the bills and buy food and, you know, things like that. So you sacri- you, you're you you willing, you willingly sacrifice the present moment and do some work so that in the long run, you're fed, you have housing, you have a vehicle, right? You're, so that's part of prudence is is just being mindful of, you know how your actions how your choices will affect outcomes not only in this moment but also in the future as well and they're literally so they're attacking this idea of of delayed gratification or of delaying gratification so they're really what are they doing they're they're advocating impulsiveness they're advocating carelessness and you can see it in all the idiots in the streets right they're acting purely out of impulsiveness and carelessness as opposed to being prudent and thinking about how my actions in this moment will affect my future or the future of my community so it's it's uh it's more subtle you know the but it's but it is definitely there. They're advocating, you know, only taking into consideration this moment and not taking uh... into consideration the outcomes or results of your actions. It's all about doing what you're, it's all about acting out of your feelings, right? So rationalization, reasoning kind of go out the window with this, with these ideological attacks somebody who's going to say
1: something. I, I was just looking for the delayed gratification is is white supremacy. But all I found was this thing that the Smithsonian's apologizing for.
0: Yeah, I think you found it. I'm pretty sure it was a Smithsonian uh, infographic.
1: Yep. It's called White Culture in the United States. And it basically says, White dominant culture or whiteness refers to the ways white people and their traditions, attitudes, and way of life have been normalized over time and are now considered standard practices in the United States. The graphic says, and, and since white people still hold most of the institutional power in America, we have all internalized some aspects of white culture, including people of color. God, some of the stuff is hard for me to swallow. I'm like, but yet they all listen to rap music and jazz and blues. It doesn't.
0: It doesn't doesn't have the list of all all the bad bad white stuff.
1: It's here, but it takes me to Twitter. Let me see if I can open
0: this. Rugged
1: individualism, family structure, emphasis on scientific method, history. Wow, scientific (laughs) method.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, protestant work ethic, religion, oh, Protestant, yeah, religion, status, power, and authority, future orientation, you mean planning for the future, delayed gratification, process is always best, tomorrow will be better, Um, time,
0: aesthetics. Did you hear that? Tomorrow will be better, which is basically optimism, so optimism, optimism is white supremacy. So they're attacking optimism. <laughs> Jesus! I even put that Hol- on my list.
1: Holidays, justice, and competition.
0: Justice.
1: <laughs> Jesus. Based on English common law, protect property and entitlements, and intent courts.
0: Yep. <sighs> I mean, if that's that—that's it. And, and notice the way they word it, right? Of of it's been normalized as if these are bad things. Like oh, because again, the dialectic as it works within neo-Marxism, out of the critical theories, is it's a it's an incomplete dialectic. It's problem whiteness, solution destroy all institutions and culture, and that or I'm sorry, <laughs> reaction destroy all institutions and culture. Solution yeah, we don't have one. So this is the broken dialectic of neo-Marxism in that salute, they salute that they really believe that just tear ever well, the ideol the, the ideologues believe, I don't think the people who necessarily are pulling the strings behind the scenes, ne- believe any of this bullshit, but the ideologues mm-hmm. believe that, especially those who push the theories, who write the books, right? The Intersectionality books and whatnot—they really believe that in order for the utopia to emerge, you must just tear down and destroy everything. They have no other plan. They're, the plan is, like I said, they've broke. They've even broken the dialectic, and that they've got the problem, they've got the reaction, but no solution. And so there is no method or path or way to achieve the utopia. It's just if you just destroy everything and you tear everything down. A utopia will emerge, <laughs> okay. and that's why they hate science and reason and logic and math. Because if you apply any kind of reason or rationale to this shit, you're like, "Are you retarded? <laughs> like, you're Dude, an idiot."
1: Notice, notice their specific word choice of an emphasis on the scientific method, not yeah, science,
0: but an no, emphasis. because I'm like, yeah, the science is their institutional science, right? It's scientism. They believe in the, the the you know, where you got the high priest Fauci, you know, it, it, at, the, at the head of the church, and they believe There's in the page. science.
1: There's another page. The last one is communication, and that's the king's English, the rules. So you have written tradition, avoiding conflict, meaning intimacy, <laughs> don't show emotion don't discuss your personal life and be polite. Those are all white traits. Apparently. Yeah.
0: That's terrible for culture. That's terrible.
1: Being polite and not discussing your personal life is something we all picked up from white people.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Evidently those don't exist (laughs) in other (laughs) cultures, (laughs) which again, uh, it was funny because, you know, Asian friends are like, wait, what? (laughs) hold up. We're on time. <laughs> and it's not because of white people. We're on time and we work hard. And it's not because of white people.
1: I posted it in the chat. Everybody can take a look at aspects and assumptions of whiteness and white culture in the United
0: States. It's awesome. That's awesome. All righty. Seeing There's as oh,
1: I'm like I'm like half white, this is like halfway <laughs> offensive to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I'm ha- I'm halfway offended.
0: No, you no, should this be is, offended.
1: This is that this be is be that porch scenario ways. all over again. I'm like, do I run towards the <laughs> do I run towards <laughs> the incident or do I run away like my friend? I'm just stuck right here in the middle. I don't know whether to be offended or to like
0: <laughs> pick the other side. Right. In reality, uh, though, you should be offended by by both because for one it's the 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 uh, bigotry of low expectation right that oh well you're black the black part of you gingy is completely irresponsible is you know c- could never achieve things like in fact they're telling you well never, you know black I'm, people they can't they can't get ids they, they don't know how to alike. use the internet <laughs> you know, like the, they say shit like that right so and then but you're, but the white half should also be offended in that like they're playing these things off like you're you are a person with a work ethic and you are a person who values your time and looks ahead and rationalizes and reasons and you should be offended that they've that they're demonizing that Right? Because those are virtues. <laughs> those are positive traits that you embody. So by attacking those virtues, they're attacking you. You know, they're attacking your embodiment of those virtues. So you should be offended one hundred percent. Both <laughs> halves.
1: <laughs> I'm just I'm just kind of blown away. I mean, some of this stuff I've gone in here a little bit more, and it's like a nuclear family, father, mother, yeah. two point three children. I'm like that's so racist to assume that we got that mother father and two kids thing from white people. <laughs>
0: right. it's, and it's patently ridiculous. Not only is it, not <laughs> only is it racist, not only is it bigoted, it's patently ridiculous. Yeah, no, there were no families until Europeans figured it out.
1: <laughs> At least not with two kids and both a mother and a father.
0: Right.
4: Don't don't forget the don't forget the point five kids. You you must have half a kid in order for it to be completely white, Ginger
0: Yeah, it's two point five. Two point five two point three. I think it might be lower 3. now. I think it's two point three. 2. 3.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So luckily we never had three tenths of a kid in my family, so we're, we're pretty solid. <laughs> <laughs> my parents just stuck with the mother, father, and a daughter and a son. So
4: just Smack it's just a of walking around a, a torso.
0: Alrighty. Moving on, moving on. Where were we? Prudence, right? Okay. So moving on to, uh, I like this one. I I feel like it's, uh, it's, it could be kind of difficult to speak into. Um, And I feel like it's one of those virtues that doesn't get enough uh, airtime. And it's dignity. And there's definitely an attack on dignity. And dignity is important. It's significant, because this is where we have, uh, self-worth, right. Value of self. Um, so there's a, a, a dignity where we, we hold ourselves as valuable. We hold ourselves as significant and, and there's a, definitely an attack on dignity in that there is this, and this is, again, this is, this one's more insidious because it happens at a psychological level more than anything else but you'll you, you see the se- the the sense of worthlessness right and insignificance and this also partially comes out of that lack of any kind of spiritual foundation within culture where there if there is no spiritual foundation to life if there is no spiritual foundation uh, to to you then there is no value there's no in, inherent value, there is no infinite value of humanity there, you become insignificant, you become worthless right, and this is again this is paving the way to genocide when you start to see when you not only start to hold yourself without dignity you know, you, you see yourself as insignificant you see yourself as worthless well then you're, you're opening the door to seeing other people that way as well where other people The other becomes insignificant, becomes of no worth or value. And by doing that, this again lays the groundwork, lays the foundation for genocide. Because you're insignificant and everyone else is insignificant. So if we need to, you know, break a few eggs to make an omelet, not that big a deal, right? And and this is you 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 see this immorality playing its way throughout all levels of society Um, it's the only way you could really justify global genocide, you know, in these, what to me are clearly uh, population control efforts that are currently underway um, really culling the population. So it's, there is the, you when you hold that yourself or others are are merely, you know, have no worth or have no value or are insignificant. Then it's it's very easy to get rid of them. Plain and simple. So it's it's like I said. I feel like it's one of those virtues that doesn't get a lot of airtime. You don't hear people talk about dignity a lot, but I feel it's extraordinarily significant because. It, it takes recognizing the infinite value of self and having a sense of self-worth in order to recognize it in others as well
1: this is something i hear talked a lot about in older generations you know, like my my grandparents were very much um into their dignity i'll say right and, right. and you-
0: and you see Less culture they, like look at like the cardi b's of the world right and girls emulating that and then whatever the male version of cardi b is i'm so out uh, out of touch with pop culture i'm sure there is an equivalent i don't know who it is Kanye um, west okay sure and <laughs> no, so you have <laughs> so you have you know boys emulating these male whores and you have girls emulating Cardi B and this is, these people have no dignity. They have no sense of self-worth, right? And so in emulating that you're perpetuating that lack of self-worth, that worthlessness, that insignificance, that lack of value within yourself and others. So this is, like I said, this happens more to psychological level. It's not as uh, obvious, in it's manifestation. What as
1: you say it's a lack of dignity in the Cardi B's and the whoever else Have you
0: seen WAP?
1: <laughs> yeah. <Look at laughs> I, I even saw the- um, I, I oh, even oh, saw uh,
0: Ben Shapiro <laughs> do it. Oh, you saw Ben Shapiro do it?
4: Yeah,
0: yeah
1: it's hilarious. He's reading yeah, from you it, you and he's out. like, but and from
4: this wet ass P word. <laughs> Amazing. You're right. You're right about dignity though. I mean, it's, it, it is completely um, it's subtle because it's sold as something, it's sold as freedom, right? T- twerking is supposed to be something that a, um you know, a fulfilled woman might do, but it's something God, that's it's great. Right. Expecting respecting pride.
1: Right. will do that in front of a group of people
4: right exactly and yeah god the conversations i've had with my daughters about this i'm just so happy they're not they're not into that (laughs) stuff oh my god but yeah it's it's insane it's um it's just curious because
1: because like what nick was saying is that it is kind of passed off as this like overly confident type of individual who gives no shits about what anybody says and know taking my power back type of thing what has you say that
0: it's a lack of dignity a lack of self-respect just curious it 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 is that and and i don't know it depends on how you define confidence um because it's it may look like confidence but it's the the lack of self-worth is like that's showing up as acting out the way they are as compensating for their sense of uh, worthlessness of insignificance, right? So it manifests as this animal like behavior, right? Um, it, I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't talk about yourself in that way. You don't show yourself in that way. If you hold yourself as valuable, significant, and you have a high sense of self-worth, um, Because then you wouldn't have to whore yourself (laughs) to to feel, to get to, what are you whoring for? You're whoring for acknowledgement, for affirmation, for recognition, for eyeballs, for attention, right? If you need all those things, you don't have a high sense of self-worth, right? I don't know if you guys saw the video from Chicago from a couple days ago where you had the chicks twerking on the cop car. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Okay, so again, no sense of self worth. How do I know that? Because they're whoring for attention. They're ho- they're look at the way they dress. Look at the way they act in public. Right. This is this is a lack of self worth. Right. So they're tr- they're they're whoring for that affirmation, for that acknowledgement, for that for those eyes, for that attention. Right.
1: It's almost as if I can't really picture what it would be like for someone to have the level of dignity like we're talking about, or really just dignity in general. Because it is it is like this this new wave of you know self respect almost to to hoy yourself like you're saying to put out there to get attention on social media or in person, or even doing it for boyfriends and friends and Mm -hmm. the attention and the likes and the the snaps and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. I would say uh, it's in Jordan Peterson's 12 rules of life. He hints at it. I don't think he's really getting to the point of it, Um, but he says, stand up straight and hold your shoulders back. Right. Um, What is that? That's dignity. Right. So, Stand up straight, hold your shoulders back, you know that's that's embodying like right? well, again, this is my interpretation of whatever rule number this is. That's my interpretation of it is like embody that dignity, recognize your worth, recognize your value, hold yourself in that high place because when you do, you don't need the, that attention, you don't need those affirmations, you don't need thumbs ups and smiley faces on your facebook posts in fact you don't even need to make facebook posts you don't even need a facebook account or a twitter account
1: you know what um it's it's almost as if they've attached their worth to their physical body and so whatever they however they know not only
0: that yeah they're also attaching their worth to their social media uh profiles
1: yeah their online appearance
0: Yes, the image. And, it's all and not that even image.
1: the appearance, not even the image, but the response they get back for that.
0: Yeah, well, the, well, that's why they curate the image, right? Because that's all a social media profile is, is you're curating a mythology of yourself. And it's the acknowledgement, the attention, the thumbs ups and the smiley faces in the hearts. Like that is more of that feeding that sense, that lack of self-worth. Right, That feeling of insignificance, you're, you're trying to feed that. You'll never, you'll never feed it. It'll never be satiated because you don't value yourself. You, you don't hold yourself up high. You have no dignity. If you had the dignity, the hearts and the smiley faces and the thumbs up would be meaningless. They'd be completely insignificant.
1: Yeah, so really, it's when somebody places so much value on that stuff. Look, let me ask you this though how how does one pull away from that orientation, needing others' approval or validation? And I mean, it seems like it could be a self defeating cycle of, you know, every time I get a like or some type of response, the more likely I am to do this to get another response, and it's like you know doing cocaine until you're like drowning yourself in powder. And you're not even getting high anymore. I've never done cocaine, but just this from what I hear, it's like.
0: <laughs> well, I, I've I've got the answer for you in four words. Have some dignity, bitch. <laughs> Plain and simple. It's the. It, when the four you... words I
1: heard were, also had bitch in it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, four words. Love thyself, bitch.
0: Like. <laughs> exactly. It could, be those, it could be those four words too. <laughs> Have some dignity, bitch. Love thyself, bitch. Because it's really, it's, that's what, all it is. It's recognizing the worth within yourself. Because then you don't need that acknowledgement from without. You don't need that attention from without. So you recognize value within the self. You love yourself. You accept yourself. You hold yourself as significant and valuable. And again, this also goes kind of hand in hand with our conversation last week with purpose and meaning, you know, where that's that is definitely where you will, you, you, your, your purpose and meaning is, is intrinsic to that sense of self worth and, and significance in the world.
1: Fascinating. I see that too. <clears throat> the times I've been most confident, authentic, grounded, um, dignified is when I knew exactly what I was here to do and I was working on it, not only just like involved in it, but I was pursuing it with a passion with a fight. It's like, there's another aspect of self that comes alive when like the purpose is identified and you're not only like, Oh, how should I apply this?
3: But you're actively engaged in it. Right. So can I chime in? Sure. Hi, fellow. So, hi, how are you, How are you guys doing this evening? Good. good. How are you? Great. I'm glad to hear that. I, uh, I'm, I'm just extremely uh, into the conversation here, just quietly listening. But uh, one thing that occurs to me is that really you can't, um, can't really talk too much about dignity without uh, mentioning respect and honor, right, because uh, they're almost like three – Three
0: parts of the a yeah, they, they definitely go together. Yeah, that's, I'd say that's, you can't, without respect and honor, there is no dignity for certain.
3: And so these folks that are, that are looking for this uh, respect and honor, really, in a way, you could look at them as being negatively polarized and, and just in general having some unidentified need in their life, um, be it social or interpersonal. Uh, spiritual, physical, or some other way, physiological—that—that that this causes them to to move forward, move toward that positive charge that they get when they get a like or they get some type of uh, reinforcement uh, socially. Right. Um, so, uh, how would you define of... honor? I'm sorry. Define what?
1: How would you define honor?
3: So it's. In terms of the social construct, I think it's just a a hierarchical system uh, full of protocols and and behavior and uh, uh, title and uh, outward recognition that's inherently understood or recognized within the social construct that that, uh, allows, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, a person or entity to be able to move within that system, hierarchical system of honor and 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 gain certain uh, other titles and benefits and privileges and, and corresponding duties. Um, And uh,
1: as as far as it relates to like dignity and respect, that's what you're meaning.
0: I I would, I I would break it down a little simpler and I would just say it's acknowledgement of other hold and holding other high. And the way I would distinguish it from respect is that respect from comes from to, to respect, respect being to to look at, right? To look at again, and so respect is a willingness to see, right? To see someone, to recognize, to look within, right? And and it and it goes for self as well. To to see that which is inherent, that which is valuable, to recognize. Um, as opposed but, uh, to the honoring, which honoring is also, you know, not only seeing, but you're acknowledging and, and elevating, you're holding them high, right? right like honoring, right. honor the, thy mother, honor thy father, which the way I would interpret that is to, you know, also honor traditions that which has come from the past, you know, you elevate it, not that you must retain it. You, it can change and transform with time. But you honor it because it it you recognize the value in it, so you elevate its value.
3: So here's a question: Um, It's kind of like if a tree falls in the woods, do you hear the sound? Right? You've heard you've heard the old uh, uh, cliche. Don't get started on that. (laughs) Does a man or a woman that uh, is alone and in solitude and and uh, entirely removed from any uh any contact with anyone else can they actually exercise dignity
0: oh yeah yeah yes absolutely because it's a sense of because Because in reality this is this really is one of those virtues that does not require anything outside of yourself because it's about for one recognition of your own value and worth like that is Uh, a sense of dignity dignity and your own significance Victor, so Frankel, you,
4: Victor Frankel Victor wrote a whole book on that. There's literally an entire book about that, and it's right. great. Victor Frankel's a good reference
0: is, for that. Is is it? I, did, he only wrote the one book, right? Uh, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, okay. yeah. But that was that was essentially what it was. It was,
4: yeah, yeah. That's what I it was. I guess the point I'm um, trying yeah. to get
3: at is that if there wasn't this reinforcement that takes place, and if there wasn't some type of rewards they're getting. Uh, to, f- to help fill that void in, in the lives of people that are going out and displaying this behavior, you know, then, you know, gosh, you gotta, you gotta wonder, you know?
0: Well, well, here's the thing. It, it's not that it would go away because what, what are they filling? The hole they're trying to fill would still be there. There was a world before Facebook. There was a world before Twitter. There was a world before the internet. Um, and Right now, the this hole that uh, I like to I like the uh, phrase that uh, oh, what's his name? Um, uh, his name escapes me right now. But he he talks about a God-shaped hole within our culture that people have, right? And it's this abandonment of any kind of spiritual foundation. So there's and when you abandon any kind of spiritual foundation, you also abandon. Dignity, because there is no inherent value, right? You have no inherent value. You have no in value uh, ugh, inherent significance or worth, right? So there, there, when you have that hole, right? That that lack of dignity can can't be filled, right? That 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 that, that sense of worthlessness or that sense of insignificance, whether or not you have these external tools, which you're trying to fill it with, because these things will never fill that hole. I don't care if you get a billion likes on your tweet or you get a billion thumbs up on your Facebook posts. It's never, that hole will never be filled. Right. Um, I don't care if Cardi B gets a platinum album or gets a billion views on her YouTube music video, it, it will that hole will never be filled.
3: I agree. At least not by that. So, I wouldn't say it would never be filled, but it certainly won't be filled that way.
0: Right. The, uh, what I'm saying is if that's what mm-hmm. you're looking to fill it with, it will never fill.
3: Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. But as the, as everything, you know, de- deteriorates kind of in this social construct we've got going on and, and there's no, no longer a unifying, uh, you know, message in terms of like, you know, back in my day, you had Billy Graham as a, as a, as, as a prominent voice within the country spirit, kind of spiritual leadership. If you would, uh, I would certainly say nationally, he got respect both in the secular world as well as in the, as in the, you know, the, the, uh, spiritual circles, uh, and whether or not you subscribe to being a Christian per se, you know, as your, as your particular religion, certainly the, certainly the message is being brought of, of morality and of uh, loving thy neighbor and of uh, self-sacrifice and, and of higher calling and, and and infinite potential that we all have, you know, being in, in you know, basically filled with God's spirit every day, whether we rec- recognize it or not. Uh, so it, it's just a, it's just a, uh, in a way, when I see all these different manifestations of behavior out there, when I, I almost feel pity, because I'm seeing a, a, a shrouded uh, manifestation of behavior that's trying to fill something and it. And it's just a futile dance that you see taking place, almost as if somebody was having, you know, involuntary spasms, you know, they just, they're, they're not even in control really anymore.
0: Right. It's funny because uh, back during the dark ages, during the plague, they had this pandemic uh, of, of uh, what did they call it? They had a word for it. It was because uh, <laughs> this is, you know, th- this is before psychology, but they, oh God, it totally escapes me right now. But it was basically fits of dancing where entire groups of people, entire communities would dance and some would dance themselves to death. And it was in reaction to the, the bleakness of the world around them. It was a mania, right, that had overtaken them, right? And, and it was, it, it was uh, you know, if you look at it in psychological terms, what they're doing is, is reacting from, you know, irrationally – to their sense of dread. Right. Um, and so that's, that's how this occurred and they had a name for it. I can't remember what the hell it was called, but, and it's actually a funny name, but it's, uh, it, uh, it's, it's strangely reflective of what we're seeing in our culture. Right. It, that there's, at some level, there's a mania. I'm not saying it's overtaken everyone, but like, you look at like these Black Lives Matter and these uh, Antifa gatherings, and there's a mania that overtakes the mob. And it's because they have such a bleak outlook of the world um, that this spirit of destruction overtakes them. You know, this, this, this spirit of carelessness you know, of hostility, right? It just, it, it takes, it's, it almost takes over the entire mob as if a hive mind. You almost wonder
3: if it's not creation itself. If, if you subscribe to that point of view, that is that the earth itself, you know, met, you know, has a harmonic has harmonics to it and it resonates at a certain frequency. And you wonder almost as if the, as if un, imperceptible to us that, that, their frequency is being perturbed in some way, being oscillated differently and, uh, and without even knowing it, you, it, almost like watching ants in a, in a pile when they're disturbed, it, the ants get into a frenzy and you watch right. the, the activity levels just, just absolutely just mind boggling how quickly these ants are moving but unlike the ants, we are unorganized in our reaction and we're just, we're just all running for, if you were to zoom it down and see us from above, I guess we look like a bunch of ants just running for running around screaming our heads off in in, you know in panic. (laughs) And
0: and definitely and and a and a mindset can definitely act as a perturbation towards activity, right? So it definitely like like I I feel at this moment in history there's a, a large percentage of people that are experiencing this cognitive dissonance because what they do and what they say is in direct contradiction to these deeply in these deep moral values that, that, that exist within them. And this, this by, by failing to recognize it and acting and speaking in contradiction to it, you create a perturbation to use your language here that is out of sync. It is, it's the, so if when you're in a state of ease and grace and peace and comfort and contentment, we'll call that a coherent, the energy is moving through you coherently, right? And when you're in a high state of anxiety, there's a lack of coherence. It is scrambled. It is, it is, uh, it is discordant, right? And so that's, that, that cognitive dissonance creates a discord within you that, the, that the, there's no coherence to the energy that moves through you. And so like you were using the analogy of the ants scrambling, that that lack of coherence within oneself can definitely create that panic, that scramble, that anxiety, right? And, and in a group, it's interesting. I don't know if you guys know this, and I don't even know if I know it, but this is my understanding of like crickets versus locusts, that they're basically the same creature, right? But when you get an- enough, not crickets, I'm sorry, grasshoppers. <laughs> grasshoppers and locusts, basically the same biological creature to a point. As soon as you get enough grasshoppers together, in, in a, in a certain amount of space. So meaning when enough grasshoppers come within a certain distance of each other, there is actually a biological change, like at the level of DNA, all of these grasshoppers become something else. Like even their coloring will change and they, and they are no longer individualized. They now act as a single organism. And this is the locust, right? And this is why locusts swarm and how they destroy entire crops. So literally there is at some point there and whether it's a discordant energy that creates this or whether it's a, you know, when you get, that much you know a large coherence of some kind of energy that it creates That i don't know which way to you know whether or not to judge it <laughs> seeing as it often manifests as a what we perceive as a destructive force it may be a discordant like having that many grasshoppers in such a small area creates a discordant kind of energy right <clears throat> to where there's a shift in their very being at a biological level and so i kind of not necessarily that you know, at a BLM riot. I'm not saying that these people necessarily change at a biological level and their DNA shifts, although I'm not certain it doesn't. (laughs) It may, you know, because that may be, that may happen with groups of human beings. Like that may be, there may be a mob, mob, when you bring enough people in in a discord that are, that have a discordant, energy about them and a, a, a general anxiety and You get a lot of them together in a small area it may create the same kind of an effect where it's no longer you're no longer an individual you're now it's like a hive mind and so now you're acting as a single organism this destructive organism like the locust right? well it, and you go around as a mob violently attacking people and buildings and all these things and it's it's not even necessarily that you're acting from a space of individuality anymore that this discordance has created this discordant harmonic that is sh- that has shifted and changed everyone you know and I'd yeah, be it's, interested it's to a, see some perceived. experience on this and see if there is a genetic shift like the grasshoppers and locusts
4: well I mean uh, to uh, there's a great example of it being concordant in the form of women sharing quarters and I'm there are three women and two there are three girls and two boys in my house and that means they hold the majority I mean majority but they synchronize they all it's ridiculous I it's, it's scary actually it's chemical it they somehow speak to one another I don't know if they have secret meetings or what but their cycles are synchronized it's it's and un, it's, un, it's un it's unquestionable well, if we spend time away from the kids for any the our daughters and for any significant period of time and we haven't yet it's biological it's subtle it's something that happens on a level that my conscious and aware and perfectly normal group of girls at the house don't they they can't control it it happens anyway regardless and I think that happens in a in a lot of people just like smelling like the the, the idea of smelling fear or bloodlust things like that people people going crazy and, and and wanting a scapegoat i think that is a very that's something i think people spe- our species specifically likes to think they're above something like that but live in, live in close quarters with a bunch of girls and you'll realize that no there's a lot of biology going on here there's a lot of stuff that despite our high-minded highfalutin thoughts about ourselves as some kind of creatures being above biology, that biology is going to happen anyway. And I think it happens in a lot of ways, like you said, in a discordant way, you get a bunch of people together. There's nothing super, there's nothing stupider than a group of people or nothing has, (laughs) how does that thing go, there's nothing stupider than a group of smart people working together. Right. It's people get dumb when they become a mob. Right. And it's, there are few people who can resist that level of biology I really, I really think it's, it's chemical. and it happens, happens in my house every month, man. It's <laughs> ugh, I gotta well, go dude,
1: just to, just to tie in on that. My, my mom and my godmother got pregnant around the same time uh-huh. and had me and uh, this other, now, now she's a woman, Kaya on the same day with the same midwife, midwife, you literally mean, like, you mean, finished- you
0: mean, you mean your, you mean your cousin?
1: My (laughs) godfather's daughter.
0: (laughs) Oh, I thought you said your. I thought you said your mom and her sister.
1: No, you didn't say.
0: (laughs) Okay, I was like, "Uh, "That's your cousin, Gingy."
1: (laughs) (laughs) Awkward. (laughs) No, uh, my mom and my dad had me. You got pregnant with me around the same time, but definitely not the same day as my godmother and godfather got pregnant with Kaya, and we were both born in the same day their cycles lined up and when they woke up in the morning we're like, Oh, I'm in labor. They did the whole process, had a kid. And then my, as soon as she was done, my mom's like, I've been in labor all day too. Come over here. And the literally like washed their hands and went over and delivered me.
3: My God. So what (laughs) if it's possible, what what if it's possible, kind of like that all the, all the movies that you're seeing nowadays about zombies that, Instead of a biological threat where people are, are infected with some some type of agent that makes them you know change and become zombies, that it's actually some some uh, participation in the mob mindset that uh, basically makes them as crazy as as you could argue a zombie, and they really their desire is really only to, de- to 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 destroy and to consume. Yeah, Solid, it's called Black Friday.
0: Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and you know what i'm almost. I, i'd be willing to put money on it that there is an actual you would actually be able to per, see perceive of a shift or change in the dna however your dna it's interesting so you know most people don't realize the dna is not static it is not like set and always the same your dna shifts and changes over time and when it does it's almost miraculous in that this shift occurs all over the body simultaneously. Um, as if there's some, you know, invisible signal that goes out and just everything changes and shifts together, all the DNA molecules. Um, but however, you would have to take a sample while they're in this mob state and test it while they're in the mob state. Because, you know, with, with, uh, what's the, uh, the quantum theory uh when you separate quantum entanglement oh entanglement, yeah, entanglement.
3: That's all, all you need is just yeah. to bring trump into the room and a bunch of blood vials <laughs>
4: uh come yeah. yeah. come here, here you raging liberal let me get a sample of your spit i don't know if that would work out <laughs> I don't know. That, would be, that would be and you know so i
1: just tell him uh, tell him it's a covid test right
0: no yeah tell 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 it's a covid test this, you, you know, all you have to do is uh, just say something like, I refuse to say her name. And then they'll start screaming in your face and you get plenty of spit. You. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, moving on from dignity, we got a couple left here. I want to touch on uh, empathy. Um, so, empathy is that capacity within us to feel what another feels. Um, and that, again, look around definitely lacking in what is it, what, what has arisen in its place, what is being embodied rather than empathy is apathy and disdain, right? So there's definitely a disdain that people feel towards each other, right? And, and an apathy, it just, just an, I don't care. Right. Um, So there. I would say that that where would I where would I place empathy on the hierarchy of morality? I, I definitely think it's significant, um, and it kind of is intertwined with and goes along with uh, generosity, forgiveness, and kindness. Like you kind of there's typically you, you, you don't you don't see those things without some level of empathy there. Um, and if, and if you do, I would say that it may be an inauthentic form of it. Like just giving something to someone is not necessarily the embodiment of generosity. Right. Especially if there's an intention behind it that like, Oh, I'm going to give them this so that I get something in return. I'm not, I, I don't see that as embodying the virtue of generosity. Um, but if there's an empathy there, like when you see someone living on the streets, and you give without any expectation or anything, typically it's there's, there's there'll be an experience there of of recognizing and feeling what it is to be in that place, you know, living on the street um, without a home, without family, without friends, whatever it may be, and that that empathy kind of goes along with some of those other virtues i would say if 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 empathy is present it allows some of those other virtues to emerge more easily definitely and i think the disdain and the apathy that are kind of being pushed kind of go along with this you know it's really hand in hand with like what we see is in the form of animosity and hostility um that it's 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 manifesting through the same channels through you know by the same means so to speak um this is an interesting one and it's probably uh, it's obvious (laughs) but i don't know uh i I would i've definitely put it lower on the hierarchy scale of moralities and only in that what i see is like okay what What's you know? What's our trajectory as a culture, as a society, and where do we need to put our most focus and attention? So, on when when I take that into consideration, a certain hierarchy of morality kind of manifests for me, and I I wouldn't necessarily put this one that high, but it is obvious, and it's justice versus lawlessness, <laughs> right? So a sense of justice. So I, I I recognize within myself, I've always had a deep sense of justice. Like it's, it, and, and not only for myself, you know, recognizing when I'm being treated fairly, when I'm not being treated fairly, but also recognizing it for others and like being emboldened and, and passionate about rectifying injustice. Right. And uh, so I see that as definitely something that for some reason has always manifest within me strongly. Um, I'm sure, based on my astrological charts, that there's Libra in there, um, and so it would, you know, that just because it seems to manifest just like my bullheadedness of my Taurus manifests. Um, there, there's probably something to that, and why it, why it manifest within me so strongly, but I don't necessarily, when I take into consideration all these other moral virtues that we've discussed tonight, I i mean, it's important, you know, it's important for there to be fairness and justice, but right now that it's, it's, it's definitely that lack of justice and that lack of fairness and that lawlessness that manifests is definitely hindering <laughs> and, taking culture and society in, in a bad direction, but I don't see it as significant as the others. I don't know what you guys think about it. Um, I, again, not that it's not important and I feel, you know, all these, all these moral virtues are important, but I kind of like, okay, yeah, that's an issue, but I don't know if it's as significant as the gratitude grievance or the courage, fear or responsibility. Like, or forgiveness, like, I feel like all of those kind of rate above and beyond justice at this moment, when I consider the trajectory of culture.
3: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> empathy is almost like you could say the, the base bud of a flower called uh, compassion, right? You can't have compassion without, feel, without feeling empathy. Yeah, uh, and vice and vice versa. I think that they're almost interdependent on on one another to exist.
0: Uh, oh, absolutely. And yeah, so I actually left I left compassion out of my list um, because I felt like it's a kind of an amalgamation of of many of the ones we've talked about, including empathy. Right. So but we're on justice right now. <laughs> so I want to know what you guys thought about the significance or the importance of justice.
3: The universe seeks constant equilibrium, right? You put water and you, you put it in any in any bowl, in any in any structure um, it seeks its level. It's always seeking its level and, and for it not to be that way I think causes everyone discord.
0: Absolutely. I'm curious. I feel like justice yeah. is
1: kind of misconstrued. I don't know. To me, when I think justice, I feel like everyone's thinking about it like revenge. Ah, <laughs> uh, justice for the murder <laughs> of Snow and so, and it's like, to oh me, yes. that's yeah, that's not really what justice. Yeah, is.
0: yeah no, that's <laughs> no, that's uh, that's uh, what do they call that's that? Revenge. That's revenge. Uh, retribution. Yeah. That's retribution (laughs) and and punishment. And yeah, that's not necessarily what justice is. Um, Not for, again, not the distinction I make of it. When I, when I make a distinction of justice as a moral virtue, I'm definitely not seeing it as revenge or retribution or punishment in any way, shape or form. Now that may be when you, when you elevate that morality or maybe, maybe elevate not the right word, when you manifest that, moral virtue into society it becomes law and order and courts and things like that so because I, I again the way I see it all of these moral virtues manifest in culture and they manifest in society and so justice is one of the most important ones in within the societal structure it that moral virtue manifests as what we call a justice system right? I don't know how just the justice system is, but all of our moral virtues manifest in different ways within our culture and within our society. And justice is one of those ones that's really obvious, you know, because we have laws and we have courts and, you know, so that's, that's what that moral virtue manifests as an orderly society. You know, I, it, it, Suppresses chaos, I'll say. Mm. All righty, last one. Last one. And it's humility or humbleness, right? And I, I would say what's in contradiction and filling the space as a, rather than being humble, having humility, is pretentiousness. Um, so this, and again, you see this across the spectrum. This is not unique to any one group or one ideology. There's a pretentiousness across the entire spectrum and, uh, and it's a false sense of superiority, right? You have people on, let's say we'll just take a couple ideologies here. People on the far left, right? The woke and they have a sense of superiority, a false sense of superior superiority over the non-woke, right? And then you have, let's say, on the other side of the spectrum, you have people who are, uh, let's say, politically conservative, who have a false sense of superiority in their maybe their values, in their uh, in their political opinions, right? So there's it we have to be careful of this one okay and again it's not to take away from dignity remember dignity is important it's and i would and i would put dignity up there with humility however it's it's what we have to be careful of is that sense of superiority right rather than like You know, it's important to have dignity. So it's important to recognize self-worth and value and significance for yourself. But it's also really important to recognize that in others. And if you recognize that in others, then there is no sense of superiority, regardless of what they believe and what they think and what they say. So... That's that I, again. That's one that it manifests more subtly, it's harder to recognize, harder to see. Um, but ask yourself how much time do you spend in a sense of su- superiority over others because of your ideas, because of their ideas, because of your lifestyle, because of their lifestyle, mm-hmm. because of your choices, because of their choices? Um, this happens and it happens a lot. And it's something that we're often not mindful of or present to, um, but is is occupying a space for us to be able to be humble.
1: Yeah, the humility, the honor, the dignity, the respect, those things all tie in with this as well. Yeah. Yep. All I right. do catch myself slipping into that sometimes. Like even in
0: these conversations, I'm like, (laughs) oh yeah, it's easy. I do it it all the time (laughs) because it's, and it's very easy because of there's, because of the, it's almost like the more you know about various beliefs and ideologies and things like that. And the more you look at them, the more you study them, the, the, like you recognize more and more flaws within them. And so it's easy to project out flaws on people who believe it. You know what I mean? Like, what if, what, what? are you, an idiot? Like, you think, <laughs> you think you're not being racist by saying those things? Like, it, it, it's very easy to de- degrade or to denigrate someone because of having an understanding of, of their ideology and recognizing fault in what they say, or recognizing flaws or inconsistencies or contradictions in what people think and what they say. And we, we often take that and project them projected on them as if they are less than because of that. Right. So
1: how do you return to humility from there?
0: Yeah. I, here's, here's one of my favorite things. I, Now, again, I'm from Southern California originally. So I didn't grow up seeing this and I didn't see it until I was in my early 30s, right? And, you know, I was doing workshops all around the country. And so I was meeting people from all over the place, right? And, you know, dealing with like Southerners, right? So Southern culture was something I didn't have a lot of exposure to growing up. And I was in this conversation one time. Actually, I was kind of on the outside of the conversation. And it was this lovely Southern woman, so polite, so kind, right? And there's this guy who's talking to her. And he said some pretty cringy shit, like just some like, like you want to smack him in the head, like you're a fucking idiot, right? Like that, I immediately felt that, right? And, And again, I went to that place of denigrating him because of the stupid shit that came out of his mouth, right? And she, without missing a beat and not judging him and not thinking any less of him, right? She says, oh, bless your heart, <laughs> right? And in, in that moment, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, that's a nice way of saying you're a dumb shit. Like, like, like bless your heart because the shit that comes out <laughs> of your mouth is foolish. You know what I mean? Like, that was kind of how I, in that moment, it felt like, yeah she had given a twist. She had spun around like, and rather than be in judgment or make him wrong or anything else, she created something positive out of it because of her own humility, because she didn't need to be right about something. She didn't need to make him wrong about something. Right. She just said, Oh, bless your heart. You know, and I was like, I was like, that experience blew me away. Cause I was just like, sure. Oh, wow. That, that is Southern such a hosp-
4: significant place. That's Southern hospitality, man. That's Southern hospitality. Yeah. You experience. You experienced a blessed heart. I grew up in that, and that's a great... Old Southern women, dude. They know exactly how to dismiss or not even dismiss. Like, it, it's become a thing. I think people have become... Wise to it, they, they they know what that means. It's kind of it's it's a middle
0: finger, but no, they have it's it's a moon. Now. But it's the and but I, it's the nicest middle finger oh, you can ever give. And oh, I don't. Yes. And I think when you're and I think depending on the person saying it, of course. In that moment, though, I knew that there was no animosity. There was no there was nothing negative behind it. Like she genuinely humbled herself. You know, in, in the face of his ignorance and said, oh, bless your heart, you know. And yep. so, so they're like you can again, there's there's definitely it's not just the words because there was a lot le- like you can just say words. And if there's nothing authentic or substantial behind it, they're just words and they're not going to have the same effect or impact. And in that situation, there was definitely substance
4: mm-hmm.
0: behind it, you know. And so there know, was a you-
4: I don't agree with you sir but i wish you the best and that's exactly that's how that's that's how we are that's just
0: quintessential but not even even saying i I don't agree because uh, saying i don't agree at some level is like like kind of like somebody can interpret that as well. what you know are you you're saying i'm wrong like that's how people take it when you don't agree with them Right. And no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I don't agree.
4: <laughs> right, but you're not, but, but they're not. The they're not going to make it an issue. That that's that's just that's just a lack of hospitality. You're not going to make it an issue. People and people misinterpret. Bless your heart, as fuck you, right? They they do it all the time, and I see it online. I'm like, you guys aren't getting. There's a lot of levels there. I mean, yeah, it's right. it's there. It can be dismissive. I've had my heart blessed multiple times by my, <coughs> my uh, by my bourbon swilling country club <laughs> uh, grandmother, but it, it's, it's, it's kind of a way to say check yourself, right. Or it's, right. it's a, it's, but it's also very, like you said, it's very humble. It's, I, am this isn't something that they say it, it the way it says it's, I'm not, I'm not here to fight you over this. Right. And maybe one day you'll change your mind. It's not important. enough. it's to, to quote, what was it Stanford? The the thing that Gingy posted, um, it's uh, it's uh, avoiding conflict, in, in in a in a lot of ways, right? It's extreme. It's extremely white. Apparently, <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're avoiding conflict. It's I, I love it, and I, I don't use it myself because it's it's very feminine. It's it's something that's that's kind of the, the domain of, of women down here, um, right. but it's it's also uh, it's also a a, um, a disappearing art. Right, because wh- like you said, it, it, a man can be cringy; he can catcall or whatever. And she's not wishing him ill, you know. She's not necessarily. I mean, it may be gross, but she's she's assuming, in, in, in a Christian context, it, she's assuming that eventually the light of Christ will illuminate him and he'll he'll understand his ways. There's a lot of there's a lot of depth here. It's a it's a lot of stuff here. Uh, You're blessing
1: yeah. his ignorance out of his body so he can yeah, be enlightened yeah, with the yeah. truth.
4: Yeah, kinda like like it's not it's returning evil for evil to no one. It's a very it's uh, again the, the thing you posted, Gingy. It's very Protestant, um, and it, I, just, I grew up in this in this milieu, so I, I it's very it, it's um uh, it's not it's it's turning the other cheek, not wishing evil and evil for to anyone. It's praying for your enemy. It's it literally yeah. pray, praying for your enemy. That's literally what it is, and. It's beautiful, and I've heard people, women specifically from other parts of the country, hear it and use it and use it as a like a like a literal middle finger, and right. they'll they'll use it wrong, and I and I I find it offensive, but that's my truth. But no. <laughs> but, <laughs> say, it but say it again say it again yeah. <laughs> on purpose no i'm serious though I, I i do I, I hear people misuse it and it's so good it's such a good expression and it's again it's the domain of it's very much the domain of women my my wife pardon the expression is a yankee she's literally a connecticut yankee she doesn't use it she hates it she pe- she's had it used in, around her and she finds it disgusting and because everything's straightforward you know connecticut's basically a suburb of new york everything's straightforward you want something to say to me how you say it you know and she can't like bless your heart is so wait what are you mad at me are you no honey that's not what they mean they're they're praying for their enemy they're they're doing something nice and they're not they're being hospitable and yeah it's i love that it's one of my favorite things about the south i don't I, i i I, I'm from here, born here, live here. I don't like it here, but just in general, but I love certain parts of it. And that's that, that and fried food is amazing here. I'm, just, I'm, and, I'm and barbecue, barbecue is phenomenal here, but. I could just men-
1: imagine an SJW being blessed like that. How they would <laughs> oh, oh, and they
4: too. are. Oh God, you know, they are, you know. And the thing is, when you say bless your heart, you recognize that that person, the SJW initially comes from a place of wanting to help. They do, and their need to help is corrupted, very much corrupted. There's, there's, there's no better soldier than somebody with an ideal, right? And, and if you can co-opt that ideal into something that, you know, furthers uh, some sort of agenda, oh, man, you got you got, some, got yourself some uh, passionate zealot soldiers running around talking about racism and stuff. And to, and to a Southerner, racism is something that is touchy. It's very touchy, and especially everybody, everybody in the South is very touchy. Um, and it and it's funny too because like I was looking at year last year when when all when all these cities were burning, Atlanta lost a Wendy's. We lost a Wendy's. That's all. That's all that happened in Atlanta. And the reason is because all these race, well, technically mainly two races, have been living together shoulder to shoulder for a long time, and have come to a sense of uh, you know agreement, peace. We 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 borrow from one another. We hang out with one another. It's All fun and games. We we have friends of other races. We we people we die for. People we cook for. People whose kids we take care of. And it's it it's you think in what's considered the most racist part of the country by other parts of the country actually isn't. It's very it's very cohesive because we come to a come to we've all come to an agreement. You know, and I see things like Portland or other places burning, and I think bless their heart. You know, it's not they're not. I don't know. It's again, it's, it's subtlety and it's, there's a lot of layers there. And I think it's funny that you mentioned that because it's one of the best, one of the best expressions. I'm going to teach my daughters that they're Southern born and raised. And I don't, I don't know if I can actually teach them that now. Cause their mother's a Yankee. I don't know if that works. Maybe it's mat- matrilineal. I don't know, but
0: uh, just start
1: blessing my man. Just start blessing.
0: <laughs> and here's the thing. Like in reality, like look at it from the sense of context, because it's really about the intention behind it because you can make up any phrase right. you know and it's about the intention behind it that like you know if if somebody says something that you find you know reprehensible if you find offensive you find stupid <laughs> whatever like here's here's a way of maintaining your own humility you know not denigrating them because of what they say or believe you know, here's a way of responding that's respectful, honorable, and you're recognizing the dignity and value of this individual as opposed right. to judging them and holding them in a negative space. Okay. Right. With that, I'm going to wrap. I think we got a bow in this. Any final thoughts Gingy, before we uh, move into something else?
1: Nope. We can go into after hours. I got about an hour.
0: All righty, So, Again, thank you, everyone, for all your contributions. And I had got a tremendous amount of value out of tonight's discussion. And we'll talk to all of you again very soon. Good night.